0: Welcome to Stiefel's Sightlines Podcast, focusing each week on a topic or two important to investors. Well, greetings and welcome to this episode of the Sightlines Podcast. This is Michael O'Keefe, Stiefel's Chief Investment Officer. Hey, this week I want to dive into kind of a review of what's been going on with China. They've made some interesting and kind of unexpected moves on a few fronts. And so I want to kind of dig into that topic. But, you know, it's also, uh, we've just seen the start of the quote-unquote 2020 Tokyo Olympics here in 2021. And I'm reminded, you know, really sort of pre-pandemic, our outlook theme for 2020 was productive competition. So athletes, you know, train for things like the Olympics, and through that training to compete, they get better. So productive competition. And that relates to this week uh, simply because, hey, as countries competing between, meaning our, ourselves and China, a good time to sort of do an update, see what's going on with China and maybe how that's influencing their strategy to compete. So what's been happening lately really comes down to the, the Chinese government stepping in and uh, influencing and sometimes transforming companies and industries within uh, its, its uh, country. And so you, just to go through a few examples of what's been going on, the Ant Group Uh, This is Jack Ma's company, uh, an affiliate company of uh, the Alibaba Group. Basically, think of it as the largest digital payment platform in China, Alibaba, Uh, over a billion users and 80 million merchants using this thing. Anyway, in October of last year, Ant Group was all set to do an IPO. They were were sort of priced to raise about $35 billion dollars. It would have been, uh, and still even to this day, would have been the world's largest IPO, and it would have valued the company at over $300 billion. But the night before the deal, basically China stepped out and blocked it. They blocked the deal and uh, essentially kind of really worried, I think, about the influence and power that the company, and maybe a little bit personally, that Ma has uh, over really where all the money's kind of kept <laughs> in some ways in China in terms of cash at least, and so they basically are on a track where they want the company to transform itself into a financial holding company to be overseen by China's central bank. Another example is Didi, which is basically China's ride-sharing app, 550 million users and ten, tens of millions of drivers, so they basically uh, did an IPO where they planned to raise 10 billion, but the day after the IPO... China's State Administration for Market Regulations, SAMR, launched an investigation into Didi around pricing and other competitive practices. And so the company went public in June, but ultimately uh, raised only $4.4 billion. And so, uh, again, this move by on the part of China was a real hit to the company in terms of raising money. And you know, bottom line is uh, the, the country, so China's even now uh, sort of uh, asked uh, app stores to essentially take down the DD app and other apps from the company. So a real sort of lockdown there. Now, other Chinese tech companies that are kind of, whose names are familiar, like Alibaba and Tencent, they've been swept up in this probe. So I think the spirit of it is, a, you know, China's looking pretty hard at sort of anti or monopoly uh, tendencies and, and, and things like that. Anyway, this last weekend on Saturday, um, of this last week um, as i record this uh, china stepped in so its state council stepped in to announce a comprehensive overhaul of their private education sector so think of tutoring companies and things like that and they basically did this with the stated goals of protecting students i think maybe the view was those students were getting pushed too hard and, and somehow improving quality of school education and then reducing the burden on parents and so the bottom line is they've, they're forcing companies to go uh, nonprofit, meaning it's, gonna, it's gonna, they're going to be barred from uh, making a profit. Specifically, for example, if they if they teach core curriculum, math, science, and history uh, in sort of the grade school and, and I guess what we would call early junior high, so K through nine or, or or through junior high, and so if they if they teach those core subjects, they basically have to be nonprofit. And uh, that's obviously for companies that have been private, or you know, yeah, private and uh, and profitable. That's a huge hit. In any event, so you know, you think about that, and you have to ask yourself the question: What in the world is motivating China to do all of this? And I kind of think about it this way: We take a step back and look at China. It is a very long-term oriented uh, country. They have had a long-term strategy and an approach to long-term strategy, frankly, since the 19. 19- I think it was 90, mid-1940s, but really since the 1950s, they've been uh, developing and implementing every five years a, no, a new five-year plan. And so the, the idea more generally was to advance its industry and its technology and basically, um, you know, kind of – have longer-term plans for that. And then in 2012, President Xi set a goal for China to become a, quote, fully developed, rich, and powerful nation, end quote, by 2049. So, you know, you think about having goals like that out to, even still uh, today, out to 2049, that's a pretty long-term view uh, in terms of uh, China's approach. Now, They essentially, one of the other things I'd say about uh, their approach in this long term strategy is they're willing to kind of uh, weather through short term disruption, sort of think of a short term pain to uh, sort of benefit the long term strategy. So, short term pain for long term gain. And, you know, so we see that in terms of some of these actions that they've taken, even though they've been disruptive and sort of had a negative impact on shareholder value, for example. So to get a little more specific on what might be on their mind as they do this, uh, you know, really feeding into this long-term strategy as it relates to Ant Group and, and, um, and Jack Ma, basically I think there's also a view that uh, President Xi in particular feels that the company and probably the individual has gotten too powerful He's kind of dropped uh, out of public sight, um, only seen from time to time. So that's that's pretty interesting as it relates to these tech moves, right? So uh, the the DD move, and then the probe uh, extending to Alibaba and Tencent. This is positioned as uh, an effort to basically, uh, you know, in my words, clean up the tech uh, sector. Uh, and again, with the, with the mindset of wanting to be more competitive globally uh, now and down the road. And then, you know, the, the move on uh, the private education sector is even more subtle in some ways. And kind of the word is that basically what's happened is, you know, the, there's a standard for, you know, probably, you know, people who can afford it. That, um, that to, for your kids to get ahead, you, you got to do this private stuff, pay these extra fees. And uh, essentially, it's become a demotivator for, um, for people to have kids and, and to kind of grow the population. And, you know, as they look at their population growth and how uh, growth has kind of fallen off a little bit, basically, or specifically, birth rates have declined, they, they have this, again... Uh, component to their long-term strategy to basically grow the population, have people have more kids, and uh, and this uh, sector of their um, or this industry in their economy was kind of slowing that down. So by making it a little bit less expensive uh, to to deal with and kind of consume those those services, essentially the the idea is then people will be at least incrementally more open to having children since that doesn't cost so much. Now, people always wonder, okay, so what are the investment implications? You know, obviously the risk when you invest in a, in a Chinese company is that the country can kind of come in and, and either, you know, take over the company um, or, um, or just, you know, implement policies or, or whatnot that could really have a negative impact on shareholder value. So we kind of think of it as, uh, you know, being mindful that there's opportunity. China's growing a lot. The businesses can really do well, Uh, but with, uh, you know, risks that we're kind of not used to dealing with. But when we look at the overall stock market in China, for example, it represents 37% of the emerging markets. And 5% of the world stock market, which is a weight uh, in excess of, let's say, what we see for the UK or France, for example. So, bottom line is many active managers, equity managers are investing, that do invest globally, are investing in China stocks. And there are some large influential firms who say, hey, you know, China should be a strategic exposure. So, again, we, we definitely do some investing there We're measured about it, I think, careful about it. Um, And like any investment, there are risks. So um, anyway, that's what I wanted to cover this week. Again, I think in part because it's been an increasing sort of flow of news and moves on the part of China that are a little bit hard to understand. But when you take a step back and look at it in the context of that long-term strategy, it makes a little bit more sense. Hey, thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you in our next episode. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to Stiefel's Sightlines. Be sure to subscribe wherever you're listening to automatically receive each week's podcast in your feed.